بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه. The Jum'ah Khutbah is an essential reminder that calls the believers every Friday to increase in taqwa, God consciousness. This series shares Jum'ah Khutbahs that take place at the Al-Maqasid Seminary. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah al-Rabbil Alameen. وأفضل الصلاة وتم تسليم على سيدنا مولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم أجمعين وشرونه الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله واحد ورب شاهد ونحن المسلمون وشرون سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة عيوننا محمد عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهر على دين كله ولو كره مشركون أما بعد يا عباد الله إني مصيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله الحمد لله We thank Allah for his fadl and for his bounty and for his rahmah and for his mercy سبحانه وتعالى And as we are now in these middle ten days of the blessed month of Ramadan the ten days of maghfirah as we continue to expose ourselves to his mercy, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to be able to receive his forgiveness. And what a blessing, by virtue of being from the children of Adam, that we have so many opportunities to be able to receive the mercy of our Lord. So many opportunities to be able to receive the forgiveness of our Lord. And we sometimes fail to truly realize how the burden of sin weighs heavy on the human soul. And this is a universal experience, whether people are in tune with that or not. And anyone that's entered into this deen and knows what it's like to experience the reality of the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Islam that atones for everything that came before. It's a means for forgiveness. And someone feels what that's like at the level of the heart when they bear witness that La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And the burden of that sin that is lifted from their hearts. And because weight is not just something that we look in relation to our physical weight, there is also spiritual weight. There are things that weigh heavy upon us in the spiritual dimension. And what a blessing it is that we have a deen where there are so many opportunities for you and I to alleviate this burden that we oftentimes carry deep within ourselves. And human beings, that probably our most fundamental need after the need of being subsisted by Allah in relation to our very existence is the need that we all have at every level of our being for rahmah, for mercy. The need that you and I all have for the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and alhamdulillah, our Prophet brought a deen, وسلم, that was revealed to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is perfectly in line with the fitrah, the natural and innate disposition of the human being. And how could it be otherwise? This is the deen of Allah that he revealed to the best of creation, وسلم, and it must be in line with everything that it is that we need as human beings. And on this blessed day of Ramadan, recently, we were reminded of this blessed hadith that you and I have probably all heard many times. But on this blessed day of Jummah, 
I want to read with you this blessed hadith with the intention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us to be from those about whom the hadith speaks. With the intention that you and I become motivated to actually strive to be from one of these categories that's mentioned in this particular hadith. And this is a hadith that is muttafaq it is agreed upon. It is related by both Al-Bukhari and Muslim in their authentic collections of hadith. And in this hadith narrated by Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, Sab'atun yudhillamahumallahu ta'ala fi dhilli yawma la dhilli illa dhilluh. There are seven people that Allah Most High will shade on the day there is no shade except his shade. Fi dhillih in his shade. And this is what the scholars call idafatun mulk. Everything belongs to Allah. Diman al-mulk al-yawm. To whom does the dominion belong today? Lillahi al-wahid al-qahar. The intelligent person is someone who comes to know that now. Before that is said on the day of judgment, that we recognize that everything belongs to Allah. And whether everything he created belongs to him. And from among the things that he created is shade. And sometimes we forget about the incredible blessing of shade, especially in more temperate climates like the ones in which we live. But when you travel to a place that is closer to the equator where the sun is very intense in a desert-like region, even there's places that in the country in which we live that are like this, and you stand outside in the sun for an extended period of time, only then do you realize the blessing of shade. And if that is in this world, then what is it going to be like on Yom Al-Qiyamah? And the context of this hadith is pointing us to us a reality that every single one of us will face. The standing before Allah, Yom Al-Qiyamah, literally the day of standing. We're not going to be sitting on that day, we're going to be standing. And every single one of us will be waiting for our name to be called and to be stood, be stand before Allah wa ta'ala and to be judged about everything that is that we have done. And whoever has asked details about their wrecking, about what they did, is that this is a form of punishment. And the hisab yasir, the light wrecking is where actions are just shown. But if we're asked in detail about what it is that we've done, all of us will be destroyed. This is why we should want mercy for ourselves and for other people. Whoever does not show mercy does not receive mercy. We should want good for everybody. We should want mercy for everybody. And the more that we do this, the more that we will bring about mercy for our own selves. We are in absolute need of this. So on this day that we know that we will be standing before Allah Taala, and we know that the sun on Yom Al-Qiyamah will come close and it will reach the point where human beings will be sweating according to various degrees. For some people the sweat will just be that cover their feet, for other people it will reach their calves and some it will reach their knees and some will be drowning in their sweat on Yom Al-Qiyamah. But there are a group of people that our Prophet informed us about. 
And it is only a prophet that can inform us of this reality. Al-aqal al-mujarrad, the mere intellect, cannot come to this conclusion. This is something we have to know through prophecy about what is going to happen yawm al-qiyamah. There are exceptions to this on the Day of Judgment. While people will be in intense toil and in the utmost difficulty, there are some people that will be shaded. And our Prophet ﷺ, in multiple hadith, and some of the scholars, and if you even include the hadith that have some weakness in the chain, there are many traits and characteristics and acts that will lead to being shaded by the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Imam Munawi in his commentary on one of the narrations of the hadith in Faded Qadir lists a large number of them. The mercy of Allah is vast. And there's many, many, many ways for us to be shaded by the shade of Allah Taala on this blessed day, on this day. But in the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, there are seven. There are seven that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala mentions. And what this means is categories, not just seven individuals. Sab'atun, not just individuals. There are seven types of people that will be shaded by the shade of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. On a day there is no shade except his shade. And we will see with the diversity of those who are mentioned here, a multitude of opportunities for every single one of us to enter into one of these categories. And Imam Unawi does mention as well, even though oftentimes it's mentioned in the masculine form, is that the same applies for the female gender. The first is Al-Imam Al-Adil, the just ruler. Al-Imam Al-Adil. The one who actually that establishes justice here on earth and actually rules when he's been given a position of authority in a way that brings about benefit. Not only for that the people that he is in charge of, but benefit for humanity. And this is something that throughout the course of history is very few and far between. Is that politics at a very early time, as our prophet told us, governance was the very first urwa, was the very first of the rungs of the ladder of Sam that was going to break. The very first of them to break, as our Prophet taught us, was governance. And we know that there's been that a checkered history, even within, from the earliest period, that of, but even within, that the rulers that ruled Islam from the earliest period until now. And our Prophet told us about various periods, about mulk, adud, and so forth and so on, to indicate to us that even with the lack of a that political ruler that's going to rule justly and to bring about good in earth, you and I still must adhere to our deen and be able to worship Allah Taala solely for his sake, despite the circumstances. But someone who's been given authority and given a position of leadership, if they rule justly, and they resist the tendency to that capitalize on what they might be able to capitalize on and to restrain themselves. This is one of the categories that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put under the shade of his throne on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And then the next one is the Shab, the young man and the young woman. Of course, Shab here means a young man. Is that Nasha fi ibadatillah? opening up the door for that 
everyone that enters into the world and has a period of youth. A young man or a young woman that grew up worshiping Allah Taala, and this period of that childhood, and as we enter into the state of maturity and become legally responsible, in every time is difficult. This is not just something of the modern world. In every time it's difficult. This is why they used to say centuries ago, al-shabab min al-junun, is that that age of youth, when we start coming of age, is that it's a branch of insanity. There's a lot that the young man and young woman is going through. And especially as their bodies start to change and they approach the age of legal responsibility and that the way that they're thinking and everything that's happening with inside of them and exterior to them and so forth, especially in a time, though, where they're being targeted from very early ages with some of the most sophisticated techniques of misguidance that have ever been here in the history of humankind. If this is the general state, what about now in the time in which we live, where they're targeted from early ages, which some of the worst filth at the level of belief, practice, and character, and it's an onslaught that is extremely difficult to resist. And the purpose of this is not to go into all of those details, but to remind the young people specifically, this is a golden opportunity. Do not do anything when you're young that you'll regret later. You have an opportunity, is that if you live right from now, that you can be under the shade of Allah's throne. And this is something that our young men and our young women should have their hearts be attached to, and something that you should long for. And your wish on Yom Qiyamah, when you see other people who made those wrong decisions, that you would have listened to the advice of the Prophet And those people that you might have wanted to please or to be around or to be a part of their group or to think that somehow that you're accepted by them. When it's all said and done and the bubble pops and the illusions start to fade, you would wish that you were one of these people. So this is an opportunity. This is how we want to be. And we want to develop a way of chivalry that our young and men, women, young men and women have, where they are firm upon principle. They're firm upon what is right. And they can resist the call to the things that are going to bring about their destruction. And you and I all know, you and I all know, people maybe within our own families, with our own friends, we all of us that are older were young at one time. We know what people are exposed to. But... This hadith should inspire us to try to make the right decision. And if we do, the consequences will be in our favor. In this world, let alone in the next world. And this is an opportunity. They grew up in the right way. They are people of worship. They establish their prayers. And this is something that I want to say, especially to the young people. As you approach that age of responsibility, where you become legally responsible, it's not 18. That is a, something to do with that Western societies. You are legally responsible when you hit puberty, and there's different schools that develop different signs for that. Then you are, once you're legally responsible, 
the angels start writing, even if you're 14, even if you're 13 or 15 years old, the angels start writing at that point. And try, from the time that you become legally responsible, to never miss a prayer. Never miss a prayer. Ask someone who's a little bit older that's trying to get back into their dean and trying to make up prayers that they missed during their life, how hard it is to make up five years, ten years of prayer, and how heavy it is on them to make qada. Pray. Pray from now. Even if you're struggling in your deen, even if you're not doing everything you know you should be doing, pray. And if you happen to miss a prayer, make toba, repent. Don't justify it. Repent. And try your best to make it up as soon as you can. Don't get behind. Because it builds up and it becomes harder and harder and harder than to, that, uh, to, to get back to where you should be once it builds up. Make a commitment from now that you want to be from those who establish the prayer. From now until the day that you meet your Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the second category, is the young man or woman who grows up in a state where they're in worship, where they are trying to live right. And then we have the third category. And this is a man or a woman whose hearts are attached to the place of prayer, to the masjid, to the mosque. These are people that have shadid al-hub. They're people that love mosques. They're people that even if they're invited to dinner, their only concern is, how can I get to the masjid for prayer? These are people that find it very easy to that wake up in the morning to get to the place where there's a congregational prayer being established. These are people that like to pray their prayers in the very best way in congregation behind an imam. Their hearts are attached to the masjid. And notice here what is that not meant by this is that they're 24 hours of the day in the masjid. Their hearts are attached. They, when they leave, they wish that they could come back. These are people that when they feel they like are in the masjid, they feel like they're in a vast garden and they are extremely comfortable. The munafiq is the one where in the masjid they feel like a bird that's caged up and can't wait to get out and fly away. That's a sign of nifaq, of hypocrisy is that the believer is comfortable. The believer finds solace. The believer is in a beautiful state. And what a beautiful place to be, to be in a masjid that is a house of Allah. There's idafat al-mulk and then there's idafat tashrif And this is a way of honoring that blessed space. And that when it actually becomes a masjid, is that there are special ahkam and legal rulings that are associated with it, but there is a special blessing. And that idafa, that affiliation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the righteous feel it when they enter into it. And thus, they find intimacy in these places. And because they are places of remembrance of Allah, is that when you come to a masjid or even a musalla, this is a time to focus on your relationship with Allah. This is not a time for vain talk. This is not a time to talk about the things of this world. They love them. They frequent them. And when they're not there, they want to be there because of what Allah Taala brings to their heart. And then there's another category. And as you'll see in this diversity of categories, is that if we can't be from one of them, 
we can try to be from another. And the fourth category is rajulani, two men. And again, the same thing applies to two women. They love each other for the sake of Allah. When they come together, it's for the sake of Allah. When they part, it's for the sake of Allah. There is a bond between them. And these might be people that don't even see each other very often. But there's a bond of love. And it might even be that that bond remains and one of them has actually passed away. But the other one is still firm in his connection to that individual and making dua for him and thinking about him and taking care of his family and doing whatever it is he can even after he passes. Look at this blessing. We actually can enter under the shade of the throne of Allah through love. By loving something which is a beautiful experience to have anyway that you benefit at a number of different levels just by having someone you love for the sake of Allah and it's something that can put us under the shade of Allah's throne. What a beautiful deen that we have. But it has to be fillah. That love has to be for the sake of Allah and desiring to meet with that individual in Jannah on Yom Qiyamah, desiring to be with them eternally for the right reasons. We help each other and assist one another in piety and in doing what is right. So this is the fourth category. And then the fifth category is a particular type of fitna, of tribulation. And again, it's mentioned in the context of a man, but the same thing goes that were this to happen to a female. And this is where someone goes through some type of very difficult tribulation. And what the Prophet mentioned here is, وَرَجُلٌ طَلَبَتُمْ رَأَتُمْ ذَاتُ مَنْصَبٍ وَجَمَالٍ And this is a man that is being called to some type of fahisha, indecency, from a woman, not just any woman, but a woman who has that rank in society and beauty. Again, the opposite that applies as well to do something that they know that they shouldn't do. And what does this person say? I fear Allah. This has to be our response. And think about the call, and in one narration, da'at. Think about the calls that are out there right now. And it's hard to even go on social media without being called to some type of fahisha indecency. Even if it's not directly from one particular person reaching out to you directly. So there are that ways that this has been extended in our time that make it very difficult. And even text messages that all of a sudden show up on your phone that are of the worst possible nature. That these things, we billah, this is how we have to respond. What should be our response to all of that when you open up your devices, when you're on social media? Allah sees you. Allah sees you. Do not taint your heart by looking at something you shouldn't look at. Do not taint your heart by going further in saying something that you shouldn't say. Do not taint your heart by then taking it further and doing something that you will utterly regret at a later time. Rather, look at what our Prophet is saying. He's opening up the door for us at a time of intense fitna to do what is right. And this is the very best dhikr of Allah of all. The very best remembrance of Allah, of all, is to remember what Allah Ta'ala has permitted and prohibited in any particular moment.
And if someone's being called to something that is indecent, this is how we should respond. In Allah, I fear Allah. Are we not going to end up doing something then that will lead to a few moments of pleasure and eternal regret? A few moments of pleasure can lead to eternal regret. And this is why we have an aqal. And the aqal is juxtaposed to the hawa. The intellect is supposed to think about consequences. And we want to be people who do what is right and to remain firm. And we do this by turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking him to give us strength. And if he does not give us strength, there's no way that we'll be able to respond in any given moment in a way that is pleasing to him and to do what is right. And then the sixth category are for those who are giving out from something of their wealth. Someone who gives out charity and does so secretly. And this is a kinaya, this is a way of saying, by saying such that his left hand did not even know what his right hand spent. This is a way of saying that he does so very secretly, is that he does so in ways that people do not realize, in trying to find creative ways to give charity. This is the way that the true people of Allah are. Sometimes when people are bargaining someone about a price on a particular thing, they intentionally know they're being slightly overcharged, but they intend that that extra is going to be charity. There's subtle ways that they find to that give out from their wealth. And in general, as we know, that private charity, giving it in secret, is it extinguishes the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to be people of charity. There are so many benefits in charity. It's a hadith that says, that heal your sick with charity. This was a common practice even to this day when people have a tribulation that came their way or it was warded off from them that they quickly give out charity or someone gets sick in the family that they quickly give out charity. This is one of the great ways to bring about cures is giving out charity. And you're not going to find this in a medical book, but this is something that we know to be a reality in our deen. And we should be people who just give and give according to our ability to give. And it doesn't mean that we have to give large amounts. And our prophet did not state here that this is someone who gives a lot of wealth. So someone who gives a little wealth secretly can also be from the same exact category than someone who gives a lot of wealth. And so that we want to bring this into our life, this is possible. And especially in the month of Ramadan, this is a month that we want to give charity. And we want to try to give charity on a regular basis, even if it's a small amount. And then after that, there will be people who move up in degrees. And you find these great stories of the likes of the grandson of our Prophet Sayyidina Hassan, Qasam Allah fi malihi marratain. On two different occasions, he added up all of his assets and what was his total worth and gave half of it fi sabilillah. Another instance, added up everything he is worth, all of his different things that he owned, half of it fi sabilillah. Now we might not be able to do that, but we might say that, okay, I'm going to give 5%. I'm going to give 10%. I'm going to see what my net worth is. And yalla, fi sabilillah, I'm going to give some type of percentage, even if it's 1%. And maybe next year we're going to say 2%. Wa hakatha. Or that a month that I receive certain amount, that I'm, and I'm going to give such and such a percent. Hakatha. This is how we should be thinking. And there are many just causes that we need to be supporting, that locally, that regionally, 
domestically and internationally. And ultimately, this is one of the great ways that we can worship Allah Taala is letting go of our wealth and especially doing so secretly. And of course, there are times where it is actually better to give it publicly and openly. And the scholars mention that in detail in their books. But then this last category, if we can't do anything that was mentioned, and if we're not in a position of authority, if we lost the opportunity, we're already older, and we didn't live right when you were young, the door of Toba is still open. If we're not someone whose heart is attached to the masjid, if we're not someone who's good at that establishing relationships built upon love, if we're never put in a situation where there is a fitna that we would then respond in a way that's pleasing to Allah, or we don't have much wealth, or we don't tend to give out about a wealth, there still is a last one that every single one of us can do. And this is a rajul, a man, and of course this also equally applies to a woman. Dhakarallah khaliyan. Remember who remembers Allah alone, with no one else around. Fafadat aina. And then his, that eyes start to shed tears out of that being in awe of Allah Ta'ala, out of love of Allah Ta'ala, out of longing to meet Allah Ta'ala, out of that feeling an overwhelming sense of the abundant mercy of Allah, that despite everything that they do, we do, he still showers us with mercy. And so if someone tells you that you're not supposed to do khalwa, and we have times where you're alone with Allah. You need to tell them to read the hadith of our Prophet Sallallahu This is clearly an encouragement that we should have time where we are all alone, where there is no one else around. And if we could find a place in our house that that's the case, or a time where everybody else is sleeping, it doesn't mean that you have to be in a desert far away, but a time we are alone. And this is why some of them would like to that even cover that it's called the khalwat al-sughra al-tatailas al-khalwat al-sughra some people would like to cover their heads like this so that they could that remember Allah ta'ala quietly even if there's other people around so to whatever degree that we can find where we are alone that if you have two walk-in closets turn one of them into a khalwa that if you have that multiple rooms that find a spot that it can be made for dhikr have a musalla in your room. Have a place that is solely for dhikr. And if there's no possible way in your house, find somewhere else and there'll be places that you can easily find. And have times where we're all alone with Allah and we're in the state of remembrance of our Lord, bringing to heart that He sees us and feeling an absolute need that we have of Him and reminding ourselves of His mercy reminding ourselves of his majesty and his greatness, reminding ourselves of the return to him, reminding ourselves of all of the blessings that he has bestowed upon us. And whatever that form of dhikr is, whether we are saying la ilaha illallah, whether we are glorifying his praises by saying subhanallah, whether we are thanking him for his gifts by saying alhamdulillah, or we are that realizing his greatness by saying Allahu Akbar, whatever it is that we are saying, is that long to meet Allah. Long to be close to Allah. And if you don't cry, force yourself to cry. Our Prophet taught us in this sense, this is one of the meanings of fake it till you make it. Cry, force yourself to cry. Because once you start to force yourself to cry, eventually the tears will actually come fairly easily. 
and this is as our teachers have taught us, is one of the greatest abandoned sunnas of our Prophet that people that are shedding tears before Allah, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, those tears, even if it be one single tear, once in our life, are expensive and they're heavy in the scales. And the hope is, is that it will lead to us being under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's throne on the day of judgment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us to be from these people and to love these people and to follow in the footsteps of these people. And may every single last one of us have a door that opens up for us that is a means for us to enter into the shade of the throne of our Lord subhanahu wa Alhamdulillah, يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى عن سادات الخلفاء الرشيدين أبي بكر وعثمان وعلي وعلى جميع أهل بيت رسول الله المطهرين من عار من الجاس وعلينا معهم فيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين ومنات المسلمين ومسلمات الأحياء منهم منامات يا أول الأولين يا آخر الآخرين يا ذا القوة المتين يا راحم الساكين ويا أرحم الراحمين أنجزنا رحمة من عندك نسعر بها في الدنيا والآخرة اللهم إنا نسألك زيارة في الدين وبركة في الرمان وصيحة في الجسد وصيعة في الرسل ودوبر قبل الموت وشهادة عن الموت ومغفرة بعد الموت وعفونا نحساب أمان من عذاب ونصيب من الجنة وزكنا النظر إلى وجهك الكريم آواكم الله نصركم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدي والإحسان وإيتاء ذا القربى وينهاء عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم واشكرني يمزدكم ولا ذكر الله اكبر Thank you for listening to one of Al Maqasid's online educational offerings. Our mission at Al Maqasid is to cultivate holistic learning environments rooted in knowledge, devotion and service by providing full-time, part-time online and community programs. For more information, please visit our website at almaqasid.org and connect with our other online content at almaqasid.org backslash connect.